0: Welcome to my very first show with animal communicator David Lewis. I'd like to thank Whitley for giving me this opportunity to um, interview people whose work I find particularly uh, of interest and also of benefit to uh, the general population at this important time where we're all growing and transitioning to a new way of being with ourselves and with each other. Um, And when I mention each other, I'm not talking about just the human race, but all species. Um, David Lewis is an animal communicator, Um, whose mission is to bring you and your animals together through extraordinary means to facilitate healing, happiness, and improved communication. David founded Talk to Your Animals in 2001. He has studied and taught interspecies communication extensively with the finest teachers available, most notably Penelope Smith. He has assisted Penelope with her workshops at Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health and the Omega Institute. David has been a personal friend of mine and all of my animals for 20 years. And, um, David, I welcome you here today. Thanks for joining us.
1: Well, I'm happy to be here, Mia.
0: So um, can you share... With everyone, how you got involved in such a unique and amazing uh career and and gift how how it all began?
1: well, my spiritual awakening really started in my thirties uh, in the uh, the late eighties and um during that time, I began to seriously pursue. Uh, The use of intuition and intuitive development and psychic abilities and and whatnot. And I was studying that pretty seriously when I discovered that uh, there was a movement that worked on that level with animals. And I was so taken by it that uh, that I just went full speed in that direction. And studied everywhere I could. I studied at Spring Farm Cares in Clinton, New York, a wonderful animal sanctuary. And then I studied with Penelope, uh, took all her courses, and traveled out to California to, you know, spend time with her in classes and just. Uh, it, I found it. It came very easily once I started. Uh it just, you know, I knew that it was for me because as soon as I started, it just started happening right away. So I was working professionally before I was even done studying. You know, I, I kept kept studying and, uh, and I'm still learning all the time. I learn fascinating things all the time just from talking to animals and the things they have to tell me.
0: They must have a, a completely different perspective um, than our own as far as what's going on on the planet right now, Um, uh, just thinking about the kangaroo and the little koala bears in Australia Mm. uh, trying to survive these fires and their experience watching their whole worlds collapse um, due to most likely man-made carelessness in terms of the environment and many other factors, of course. Yeah. Do you yeah, well, going... find that watching watching them, for instance, are you picking up messages from the animals why these natural disasters are happening?
1: Well, the main message that I, I pick up, um, you know, it's kind of unusual maybe to think this, but uh, I mean, other than there's a lot of grief there, but the grief is, uh, what I really pick up from the animals is that this is just part of the cycle that, you know, that they signed on for that. This is, you know, humanity is working out its problems uh, on a grand scale and uh, they're not, they're not worried about becoming extinct or, or anything like that. There, there, there's a great deal of suffering on the physical level, but on the spiritual level, they see this as uh, part of the growth for humanity because the, uh, there has been a great deal of attention given to, the animals in fact uh I would say from my following the the media coverage on the fires is that there's more attention given to the animals than there are to the displacement of people than there is to that to the displacement of people it's and so, so the interesting to see
0: the koala yeah and and mm. I've seen clips of the koalas actually asking for help mm. um it, you know, asking for water to drink, asking, um, you know, for medical attention.
1: Yeah, sure. Hmm.
0: So, um, you had a particular, particularly close relationship, um, with my six dogs, uh, the, the pack that I was blessed to live with for almost 14 years. And, Hmm. um, they always got so excited when they knew that you were coming over, over to visit. Um, do you have any, any stories you'd like to share, um, regarding things that happened particularly with them?
1: Well, it happened in the past with us, you mean?
0: Yes. Um, for instance, one that comes to, to mind was um, the time, that, and this was early on when we had mm-hmm. first met, when Jasper uh, was suffering from some uh, very hard-to-identify illness. The vet could not find anything wrong, um, yet he was becoming weaker and weaker by the day and a 110-pound um Young dog could not even jump up on the couch, and it turned out that it was related to um, a past life event and uh, Sam joining our household, a uh, uh, Chow Shepherd mix, Sammy coming to live with us. Um, do you remember that specifically, yes, I do. Jasper? Sure. Yeah.
1: Well, you know they, they very much like people they carry in what's left over, you know, from a, from a past life. And, and, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, energy is spent, uh, especially with those that are, you know, rescues or abandoned. Um, you know, they, they, uh, they have their stuff to work out and it was, you know, amazing what happened with, uh, with Jasper. Um,
0: Just so the audience, I I, I was hmm. just going to say, just so the audience knows um, he had been put down by his previous owner uh, in another life because uh, he was a hunting dog and he had, he had failed. Um, And when Sam came to live with us, he felt that it was, again, a failure situation. So he was just giving up.
1: Mm. And I find in my work, uh, you know, when I discover that sort of thing, it's it's not unusual at all. In fact, I was just working with a, a feral cat the other day who is FIB positive and, and really had one foot in each world, uh, one foot in the spirit world and one foot in the earth world and was not clear about whether he wanted uh, was going to be able to pull it off, was going to be able to stay, and it was kind of giving up. And, you know, by having a communication with him and encouraging and teaching his uh, caretaker to be sort of a cheerleader for him, uh, you know, he's turning around, and uh, it's... It's, you know, very, very similar to the way you would treat a child or another human being. Um, you know, you give them the support and the love that they need, and it helps them get through, you know, what they have to deal with.
0: Uh, in you know, the over the past year, are there um, any cases, any particular animals that you worked with that um, you found to be particularly – unusual um, and timely in terms of this particular place we find ourselves, you know, 2019 moving into 2020. Um, you know, I I'm, I know that you deal with a lot of behavioral issues, but uh, are you noticing um, more... Soul issues um, for lack of a better word um in terms of you know more profound issues that that the animals are raising with you uh, when you go to work with them.
1: well, I find particularly when I work with animals in spirit that this is the case because they uh, you know they often they've been reassigned in a sense they as they Enter the other realms. They um, become champions of certain qualities of being that they radiate to the planet uh, that that are in, that we're in need of uh, receiving. They uh, become champions of other animals, helping helping animals, uh, helping spirits incarnate as as animals, and um, and like that. So that that's where the most profound things I think come from. Uh, I did have an encounter I'll tell you about though, which was really fascinating to me because uh, you know I'm a vegetarian and uh, I did I was contacted by a woman, uh, a middle-aged woman and her husband, and they have a they had a small farm. They were raising sheep, and their idea was they were going to raise sheep so that they could uh, have them slaughtered and use them the meat to feed uh, to, to be healthy. Uh, feed for dogs and cats, okay? And they felt that if they raised them lovingly and with a higher consciousness, uh, that this would uh, provide uh, food for for domestic animals that would be of a higher quality, uh, which all make you know, which all sounds good. Um, but I went and talked to the sheep, and it was very interesting because um, I got a variety of responses. One of the females told me that she um uh, did not want to be slaughtered she wanted to be to have more babies and that you know she was she would provide uh sheep for them to slaughter but she wanted to to be a mother and continue to be a mother for a while um uh, i had a male say that well that's fine but not yet i want to have more sex first and uh <laughs> i had uh yeah yeah and a number of them the, mo- the majority of them felt Uh, that it was perfectly fine. They understood their relationship, uh, you know, as part of the circle of life, you know, to use a cliche. And uh, one even told me that uh, um, he would be honored to be able to be used for food for other animals and then i actually they had a they had these this couple was sort of making it up well they weren't making it up as they go along what they were doing was learning they had, they had never done this before so they were learning from the internet they were learning from books and they were trying their best to you know do this in a in a highly conscious manner and they had had one experience of of uh oh i can't remember the word that oh dispatching that's the word that that uh, is used in the animal field there when they, when you uh put down an animal for you know, for food, they call it dispatching, and they had wow. one experience. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting phrase, isn't it? They yeah, had one experience very. where they, yeah, where they personally did slaughter one of the sheep, and it was very traumatic for them. And uh, what was interesting to me, Mia, was that I actually tuned into some of the leftover meat from this sheep. Uh, his name was Charlie, and I was able to tune into the his body and his essence through. Uh, a package of frozen leftover meat from his body and uh, i felt the the most beautiful feeling um, that he was in 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 truth honored to be there be in their charge and to be used for the purpose he was being used for so uh, you know it, it really opened my eyes in terms of the perspective of uh you know, being a vegetarian, I I uh, I I've always said that if I had to kill my own meat, I would be a vegetarian. Um, but uh, I know there are a number, I know of a number of people who have small farms and are very loving to the animals, and uh, it was just an it was an eye opener for me. Um,
0: that is so interesting. So he yeah. Charlie felt it sounds like that. Um, He was sacrificing himself for the good of others and um, willingly and happily doing so.
1: Yeah, and being Um, a teacher for the people, too, as well. Yeah, for the couple.
0: Right. Well, animals are so much more um, giving. Um, They embody unconditional love in a way that... um, that mankind, I think, finds harder to express. No doubt it's there, too. But animals have a have a generosity of spirit uh, with each other. And mm. I think the YouTube uh, animal sensation, to be able to go on YouTube and watch all these videos of animals interacting with other species and the extent and depth of their friendships and Commitment to each other Mm. is such an education for everyone. Um, We just don't think of them uh, in that way, but there it is. You know, it's undeniable.
1: Yeah. You know, we have a caretaking perspective, which is valid in the sense that we, you know, they need us a domestic uh, animal companion needs their peop their person to uh uh take care of them and feed them but it's uh you know beyond that there is uh there's just so much to be gained and learned from opening your heart to who they really are and on all dimensions uh, who they are and uh being able to respect them and experience them as equal equal beings um it's just a life changer, and it's a life changer that we need.
0: It is. It's a, we good, have place so, it's
1: a good place to start. Yeah, excuse me.
0: So much to learn from them. You actually um, play a role in, in one of my favorite stories about the dogs um, involving Sammy and and Fergus, who was the smallest of, of the group of six dogs and kind of the troublemaker. And Sammy mm. was was really like the... Arnold Schwarzenegger of the group he was kind of Mm -hmm. the enforcer and if Fergus was doing something that he really should not be doing all I would have to say to him was Fergie do you want Sammy to tell you no and that was enough Mm -hmm. he would just stop whatever it was he was doing and and turn to Mm -hmm. something else but this one particular day you had come over to visit uh for lunch and you had left and I had forgotten to tell you something. And we were on the phone and I heard a major correction going on right outside the the back door uh, on the deck. So I ran outside and Sammy had Fergus pinned down and was telling him not to eat the paint turtle that he was about to start chewing into. Mm. And watching this. Fergie picked up the turtle, mm-hmm. carried it probably three acres away down to the pond, put it down by the side of the pond right at the edge of the water, and ran back up to the house mm-hmm. to get ready for dinner. Mm-hmm. And I've told yeah. that story a number of times, and people look at me with, you know, total skepticism. But there's no other explanation Sammy was telling Fergus not to hurt the turtle
1: Mm, of course yeah there's so much interspecies connection that that we I mean you're seeing it more and more now when you see memes on Facebook or photos or stories Uh, I mean I just read something the other day that a shark uh, you know was assisted by a human who was tangled in something and the uh this person helped the shark get untangled, and the you know the shark went its way it didn't attack the person i mean it's just there's a there's an understanding here you know among uh between animal you know different species of animal and between animals and humans there's there's beginning to become i feel very strongly uh a sense of the connection a sense of respect- mutual respect a sense of gratitude uh you hear it all the time about sea life, the whales and the dolphins, and uh, you know how protected they are of us, and how grateful they are when we assist them um, so I, I really feel that that 's one of the more positive things that 's happening right now uh, is the real the deepening connection you know between different species of animal. Um, uh, and the awakening consciousness of human beings about, uh, the role of animals in their lives, particularly their animal companions.
0: Well, you will be coming to South Dakota in July for our third, uh, conference on consciousness and contact. And mm-hmm. you were a speaker at the, at the very first one that we did, uh, two years ago in Vermont, um. We held the the event um, at the at the Vershire Riding School, and Linda Moulton Howe um, was the main speaker that year. And um, you and Linda had a profound um, experience um, w- surrounding the death of Linda's beloved cat Simba. Mm. Um, but you also participated um with the animals that were living uh at the Vershire riding school uh which had cows and sheep and goats.
1: Pigs. And I love that the pigs. pigs had a race. Had a race, yeah. It was
0: Oh, did they? Wonderful.
1: Yeah, they had a I, we I watched them racing. That was great fun. <laughs> racing to and, the fence to, to see us.
0: Oh really? Oh, I missed that yeah, somehow. Yeah yeah but um I, you know I, personally, I think that animal communication uh interspecies communication also offers us the opportunity of communicating with other beings mm-hmm. out in the universe, and I'm curious to know your thoughts on on that
1: well. The other beings in the universe that I primarily deal with are the animals that are in spirit, okay?
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, I'm not always clear as to, you know, who gives them their marching orders, but the animals in spirit that I've spoken to, I've had some fascinating encounters. One one actually told me that he was a star in, in the heavens, okay? Um, that that was what he was now. I've had... Uh, Others tell me, like I mentioned before, I I didn't get into specifics when I said it earlier, but let me say that when you talk about qualities of being, like power or strength, resilience, peace, uh, unconditional love, things like this, an animal, a dog or a cat or a a reptile or a bird will say, this is what I'm doing now. I'm radiating the the quality of peace. And in many instances, probably most instances, when they're doing this, this, these were qualities that they embodied in their physical form before they passed, okay? And so they continue, for instance, a very strong, you know, think of a, a dog like a German Shepherd, who you think of as strong and disciplined. Well, that German Shepherd passes over and continues to radiate the qualities of strength and discipline to the earth for everybody, not just for other animals, but for people, because we need balance, we need to balance the, uh, you know, the thoughts, the feelings, the emotions, the behaviors of human beings, uh, so that we all survive. And the animals are very, very uh, dedicated to this. And then often I've had a situation where. A, Shelty, a female Sheltie had passed and she showed me that her job was to prepare the spirits that were about to incarnate as Sheltie puppies. And the picture she showed me, it was like, it was very sweet. It was like a, a mom sending their kids off to school for the first day, you know, handing them their bag lunch, patting them on the oh, butt and wow. send, sending them to the bus, you know. That's what she was doing. That was her job. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's, it, it's so varied, uh, you know the experiences that they have in spirit it's i really feel that uh it's a combination of their desire their ability and the need that you know the perceived need at the time at whatever time they cross over and you know that's fluid that can change the the needs of the moment uh you know can be very fluid and change um but uh, particularly the qua- the uh almost entrancing qualities of being that, that uh, they feel, and I agree, are needed on the planet. Um, they, uh, they will radiate those beings, the solidity, almost like rock, the solidity of, of uh, um, purpose and intention and, and uh, of presence, of, of uh, powerful presence that, that some uh, animals will radiate that.
0: Well, I can tell you for sure, um, uh, my do- my six dogs, um, most of whom lived to be 14 years of age, my two horses, Bailey and Rusty, and um, my cats, Charlie and Webster, surrounded me with unconditional love during a time in my life where I was... Um, Connecting to my own spiritual gifts and my my own role in the world in terms of the contribution that I am trying to make here at this moment in time. and for certain, I, I would not have gotten through all that I've gone through had it not been for the extraordinary support uh, and guidance that they provided in my life. And of course, they're all still around me, even still. Mm. But um, I I cannot um, stress enough um, the power of the unconditional love that they provided, uh, and the wisdom, the animal wisdom Mm. of learning how to live in the present, live in the moment, not worry about the past and not project into the future.
1: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, an extraordinary pack. And uh, there was a sense of unity among them, despite some of the, you know, disagreements and occasional uh, issues that would come up. Uh, there was a real, to me, in my experience, as I recall, it was just a, such a clear sense of unity in terms of their purpose. and and what they were here for and what they were doing, not just for you, but for anybody that encountered them.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, as you know, there were two red dogs, two black dogs and two white Mm -hmm. dogs, and they would feng shui themselves, uh, not only according to color, but to gender. They Mm -hmm. would lie down. (laughs) It was hysterical to watch them. Um, but, they really took care of each other.
1: Yeah, and and you and and uh, whoever they encountered, I think. I certainly, yeah. you know, I'm a greater person and have a better person for my uh, opportunity to have uh, been their friend for for a while.
0: Well, I think, particularly at that moment in time, I I do believe that they contributed to. Um, the acceptance on an energetic level, you know, that animals were more than what they, you know, Mm -hmm. what we had preconceived of them to be, that there was far more going on than, you know, than the traditional roles that they had been playing.
1: Yes, and the turn of the century was a real important time for that. Uh, a real important part in our history for, I think, a quantum leap in terms of the consciousness of people regarding animals. I mean, you had, you had, uh, Sonia, the, uh, the pet psychic on, on animal planet. And, uh, uh, you know, I think that, uh, just the fact that there is interest, there's still a lot of skepticism, but there is interest in what I do. Uh, and there are, uh, you know, probably several thousand people around the world doing doing the same kind of thing and um, and it and it, and it it's fluid again it moves it, it changes i I've uh, really come to focus on emotional healing uh, it just sort of was le- led in that direction so uh, you know for me it's very important to deal with not just the past life but the current life situations of an animal that was Abuse uh, or abandoned, and then is rescued and is is uh, um, living a life, you know, filled with trauma. And um, I've had a, um, a great deal of wonderful experiences in doing that. That um, you know have have brought healing, like I like my mission is. Uh, that just sort of evolved, I guess, over the over the years.
0: Well, I just saw um, a YouTube video a couple of days ago about a 16-year-old collie whose owners brought it to the shelter because they didn't want to take care of it anymore. And this had Mm. been the family pet for all those years, and they were giving it up. And luckily, um, a, a good foster home was found for the dog who's now happily ensconced on the leather sofa in the family room but it's extraordinary to me to think that someone could live with their, their dog for all those years and then just get rid of it.
1: Clearly an unconscious person who's, whose understanding of the relationship was not, not very evolved. is what I would, would say, you know, that would be my initial response to that story. It's just obviously someone who, Felt that at some level they could just discard this other being. Uh, you know, the, there's a lot, a lot of the rate, the consciousness raising that's going on about the relationship between domestic animals, pets, if you will, and their people, it has to do with forever homes and, uh, you know, the idea that adoption is forever and, and uh, that you don't, uh, you know, you don't just cast off uh, somebody know, no, no more than you would cast off a, a human member of your family. Although there are people that do that as well. So again, it's, right. about, it's about raising the consciousness and um, and that's an ongoing process. But I do think we've made leaps and bounds in the last 20 years since you and I have known each other.
0: I agree with you completely. Um, I can I can also say that Living with the the dogs in particular, they would work as a group to send healing energy to other dogs uh, that were injured or sick. Um, There's one particular example where I had been called to go over to do energy work for a 13 or 14 year old uh, terrier who'd been run over by a truck and his spleen was broken and when i got there he couldn't walk uh or stand even and after a couple of hours of his his mother and i working on him he was able to stand and the the vet had been very concerned that he would not be able to um to eliminate um you know either way, but particularly, yeah, yeah. Uh, bowel movements. But I had, I had gotten the, the guidance that he, by nine o'clock at night, he would be outside doing his business. But when I got home, uh, I went down to the pond with the dogs and they, they all as a group were sending him, uh, his name was Spencer sending Spencer mm-hmm. their energy. And sure enough, um, his, Mother called and said at nine o'clock he was outside mm. pooping in the backyard. So, uh, and healed very quickly.
1: It, yeah, it's amazing what just, uh, well, it's, uh, you know, it's like what's happening everywhere. Particularly, you know, we think of it mostly with people, but it's amazing that it's the same process, really, psychologically or physically, the healing process Uh works well for animals, you know, as well.
0: Well, they're they're so receptive, you know, that's that's the interesting thing that I found doing energy work with animals. They're they just soak it up. They're so receptive, you know, whereas we as people have blocks that keep us from being open or, you know, sharing our true thoughts or feelings or even opening ourselves up on an energetic level. But the animals, because they're so present, are just so open and receptive to to positive um,
1: yeah.
0: elements coming at, at them.
1: Sure, they generally are. I will say, however, though, that there are trust issues sometimes with animals that have been abused or, or neglected or abandoned I, that I have had to encounter in my work where I'll in to talk with a dog or a cat and and I'll feel resistance from them and I have to kind of earn their trust and it doesn't take much. It just takes having an open heart and talking to them on their level. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Um, But that that, um, kind of breaches that gap for them so that they realize that they can trust me. Well, they
0: know when you're telling them The truth, you know, they know when you're being honest with them. Which is, I always, I always trust. You know, if I have questions about a person, I always trust um, Mm. an animal to, to, you know, to inform my or confirm my intuitions because they uh, they always know what somebody's about.
1: Sure. Sure they do.
0: So um, do you work uh, primarily in person or do you connect with animals over the internet and phone? Can you these, talk a little bit about days, your process.
1: Excuse me. Yeah. These days there's been less in-person work uh, and it's a lot more telephone work. Um and some internet work. I worked with a woman in Brazil. Uh, and I have another one who was waiting to schedule something with me, someone from Brazil. And I, worked, I used to Skype a lot. Uh, people in Austria and London and um, northern Canada, the up in Alexandria, or not Alexandria Bay, what the, Thunder Bay, I guess, Ontario. Um, so there's a lot of phone work. Um you know, people, some people will say, well, I want you to come out to the house because they feel that it would be, it, they feel somehow that it would be less effective if uh, if uh, they just did it over the telephone. And that's not true in my experience. It's really not true. I enjoy more, you know, seeing the animals in person. So I, I love to come to the house because, uh, you know, it's one thing just to tune into their, to them energetically or to tune in to them through a photograph, but, you uh, you know i I love their company, so uh but yeah, it's been a lot of a lot of phone work lately and um I, I like to use pictures I don't have to if somebody really doesn't have the technology to be able to send me a picture I mean that's kind of rare, but I do encounter some some elderly people who who uh don't have access to the kind of technology to be able to send me an email or a text message with a photo uh and then I just work from their description uh you know, it's all—it's all part of the mix. All the energy uh, is just part of the mix, and it's there for the asking. You know, it's like the old biblical injunction: "Ask and you shall receive." And I work with the energy of Saint Francis a lot too, uh, being a, sort of takes me back to my my early tradition. I was raised as a Catholic, and I I did have a connection. I felt as a teenager, I developed a, a connection with Saint Francis. Uh, for for all who all that he was the uh, his uh, rejection of, of uh, wealth and, and material possessions and his love for the animals his ability to do healing with the animals and I I invoke his spirit uh, on a regular basis uh, and just in working with my goal of bringing harmony and healing to uh, to whatever situation I'm called to participate in.
0: Well, Saint Francis is a is a wonderful. Um, saint to connect with. I, I too was raised Catholic and I feel mm-hmm. a strong affinity to to him and to his work and actually have some uh, dear friends who are uh, three Franciscan fathers who run the St. Mm-hmm. Francis Residences for the Poor in New York City and when I go in there I stay <laughs> at the monastery with them but um, they've focused on Working with the homeless of New York and sure. has done extraordinary work, um, but he Saint Francis was amazing and uh, and way ahead of his time in terms of communicating mm. with animals.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I did. There's a up north from me a little bit. I did pass a couple of times a uh, a veterinary practice. It's the name, the Saint Francis of Assisi. Um, animal hospital. So I thought that was kind of interesting.
0: That's neat. Do Do you happen to know anything about them? Do they have an animal communicator on staff?
1: I don't know. Actually, they're way up in Scaddackoke, which is a uh, couple of hours from me, and, and I never. The times that I've been passing by there it was never hours that they were open. So uh, and it just kind of fell by the wayside. I should check them out. I'm sure they have a website. I should check them out and see uh, see what they're up to. But, uh, it would be
0: interesting to know. Um, yeah. Well, um, since we're here having this conversation, um, do you have any particular messages uh, or something that one of my guys would, would like me to know about? Uh,
1: yeah. Give me just a second here, and, and I'm feeling Sammy has something to say. Um and what Sammy wants to do is to congratulate you uh, on the work that you're doing. He, uh
0: Aww.
1: Yeah, he feels that the, what well, he's telling me uh, is that he feels that the uh, time that he spent with you and the pack was in a sense of preparation for you uh, part of part of what was occurring was a preparation for you to be able to be doing the higher level of of work that you're that you're about now, and uh, he's he says uh, in a sense congratulations and also thank you very deeply. Uh, he really feels gratitude for for what it is that you're part of.
0: Oh, Well, thank you, Sammy. Um, thank oh. you, David. I love you so completely it 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 brings me to um to share how Sammy came to live with us which um is quite a story in itself um hmm. i got his picture on the internet the day he was going to be euthanized um in west virginia and he was a chow shepherd mix he looked like a lion he was red with a hmm. black face and a spotted uh, chow chow tongue um, and I I called and said I would adopt him and this doggy Underground Railroad brings dogs from West Virginia all the way up to Providence Rhode Island stopping along the way dropping off dogs to, to foster parents or adopters um, a couple of times a month and I picked him up in Connecticut and brought him to our wonderful vet, and I was paying the bill, and I'd asked someone to hold on to his leash, and they did not, and he got loose and ran out of the vet's office and was missing for six weeks, so he'd managed to make it up to uh, Columbia Hmm. County, New York, uh, from West Virginia, and then was running around the countryside and um, I had one photo of him from the rescue group in in West Virginia and made posters and put them up all over within a couple hour radius and I would get phone calls saying Sammy's out in the cornfield, Sammy's, you know, at the neighbors and uh, Sammy's here and by the time I'd get there he'd always be gone And on a Saturday night, I was sitting with friends in a barn where he had been seen the day before, hoping he would show up for a bowl of food. And I sat there and said aloud to the air, Sammy, go to somebody's house who has dogs and stay there so I can come and get you. This was six weeks Mm. after he had arrived in, in New York State. And it's 1030 the next night and this lovely woman, Gail, called me to tell me that she had seen the poster in Dairy Queen and had gone Mm -hmm. over there at 1030 at night with her flashlight to get my phone number. Sam had shown up in her boyfriend Lou's backyard with his two Mm -hmm. dogs and was in the doghouse with them. And Mm um I called Lou and he said, give me a week of feeding everybody and twice a day. And one day I'll open the kitchen door and they'll all walk in together. And that's exactly what happened mm. after a week. Hmm. So that's how Sammy came to live with us.
1: <laughs> wow, that's quite a story. Um, yeah, I can sense two things as you talk about that. And I've never, never spoken to him about that. But as you talk about that, I, I get two messages from him regarding that, and one was uh, just a natural curiosity to explore that he had after being cooped up, uh, so to speak, uh, for a long time—what uh, felt to him like a long time—and he, uh, there was a part of him that just didn't want to settle in; it just wanted to see what there was to be seen. Um, and then the other thing was, I think that he was uh, was a little bit of a trust issue. He knew where where he was supposed to end up, but he wasn't sure. It was with you he had to go out and and test the waters a little bit before he was certain that that you were the one that he was supposed to be with. That's what that's what he's telling me.
0: Well, it took him a year to smile. It took him a year mm. to be relaxed enough to smile, mm. and. the truth is he fell in love with Jasper. He bought, they Mm. bonded. He fell in love with Jasper and he fell in love with Daisy. He had Mm. such a crush on Daisy who was Mm. afraid of him. He would gingerly pull on her back leg, inviting her to play with him and just grin and wag his tail at her. But she was intimidated by him. And Fergus and she were the same size and wrestled together all the time. And all Sammy wanted was to wrestle with Daisy, Mm -hmm. but he and Jasper were absolutely best buddies. And um, his friendship with Jasper is what kept him there because he would have been, he would have been gone um, regardless of the invisible fence or anything else. He Mm -hmm. would, he would have been gone had he not wanted to stay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, is there anything else, David, that you'd like to to share with us in terms of your work?
1: Well, I'll tell you what. As we're um, as we're talking here, a story from my my own past uh, uh, over the last uh, couple of decades comes to mind that I just want to share and it has to do with a couple cats and one was the cat that uh, I consider my soulmate the uh, cat Ringo who uh, was um probably just a few years old at the time and uh, my wife has always had an affinity for Siamese cats and so she uh, wanted to adopt a uh, Siamese. She did. She found a seal point that had been rescued, and she went to Massachusetts and brought him back. Named him Julian. And we found out that Julian. Uh, we had everything in order except the medical report. When when she brought him back, and that was on a Saturday afternoon. And on Monday, uh, they contacted us with the medical report, and, and turned out that he was uh, in renal failure. And they were very apologetic. They said we'll take him back if you want. And we said, well, no, we'll just provide him hospice care for the amount of time he has. And we kept. And some of the other cats were were not very receptive to him. And that's sometimes what happens. They, you know, one of them hit with his Adam said he smells funny. Um, but Ringo, we so we kept him in our bedroom. We had a gate, and we put the food and litter and water in in the bathroom, and we kept him with us. And Ringo was the only one who would interact with him. Ringo would, would jump the gate. And, and Ringo liked to hang out in the bedroom anyway, because that's where my office was. But he would, he would hang out with Julian. And we had special food for, uh, special kidney food for Julian. And we began to notice that, uh, that Ringo was helping consume the food. So I had a talk with him about it and explained that it was Julian's food. And he had a very interesting response. He said, Well, you know, he says, we're the only ones that come in this room, so I don't think of it as Julian's food. I think of it as our food. And I really couldn't argue with that. Uh, but uh, interestingly enough, what happened when Julian got very close to his passing, he stopped eating. And at that time, oh, oh, the other thing I forgot, I almost forgot, Ringo also said, well, you know, I always let him eat first, okay? Oh, uh, wow. No. So, uh, and then when it came time for, for Julian to pass and he stopped eating, Ringo stopped eating the food as well. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Were, you know, it's a talk about a bond and an understanding and a mutual respect. That's what they had. Uh, and the other, at the time, we had a couple of other cats and, um... They just weren't interested in Julian, and he warmed up to to uh, my wife Amy and I, and and also to Ringo.
0: How long was he with you?
1: Um, just a few months, really.
0: Uh, well, what a great way to go! What a gr- you know great place to
1: yeah find, find sanctuary
0: was, uh, at the end of your life.
1: He was very sweet. He used to lick my head. He smelled <laughs> terrible. <laughs> He'd climb into bed. He'd climb. Amy, you know, for some reason, he had the understanding. That he understood that Amy didn't want him in bed when she was there. So she would get up before me. And Julian would jump up on the bed and climb up to me and start licking the side of my head, licking my hair, you know, with this awful breath and uh, soaking my head. And that was just his thing. That's what he did. And I loved it. Like, you know, every day I, I waited for it. And as soon as Amy got out of the bed, he jumped in and came right up and started him. So that was our relationship for a while, for as long as he was able to maintain himself on on the planet in the physical form. So
0: you were his boy.
1: Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> grooming me.
0: They're they're just all so unique in terms of how they express their their feelings and attachments. Um, it's, it's such a gift. I, I, I have noticed talking to people, you know, just people out there, that unless you've had a, a close relationship with an animal, it's very hard for you to understand um, mm. why people feel the way they do about their animals. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it's it's just foreign. Um and so many things like you know, being bitten by a dog or kicked by a horse. There are so many factors from childhood that can influence a person deciding, you know, not to have animals in their lives in any, any form. But um, mm. it's a whole, it's, it, it's, it's a dimension that is so beneficial once you allow it in.
1: Oh, Sure. Do we have time for another quick story?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Well, it just reminded me that uh, I have a friend named Maxwell. He's a a golden retriever. And he first uh, came to me. His mom uh, brought him uh, to me because he had some physical issues. And then what happened is that uh, um, he he belonged to a couple who had a daughter who had just uh, given birth, and they were living in the house with them. And so there was this toddler around, and uh, Maxwell used to growl at her. And uh, they were very concerned. And I had a talk with Max, and I, under- I what, what Maxwell told me was that he really didn't know what to do with this creature. He didn't understand who was she, what's she doing here, and what am I supposed to do? And um, I explained to him that she was a person that was gonna grow up and be big like the other people around him. And uh, I also explained to him that if he were to scare her, that it might scar her in a way that she might never be able to appreciate and have the have a loving experience of being close to uh, to a dog. And uh, I told him, I said, "Well, your job is to take care of her, to look after her." And um, you know, sometimes I always tell people that sometimes it takes a day or so or a good nap. Good night's sleep or a nap, you know, to kind of integrate the, the work that I'm doing because, it, you know, it's working on a cellular level. So what, as I was told from uh, Marianne, Ann, the dog's mom, she said that uh, he growled at her once that night and then the next morning they became best friends and uh, great. now the the little girl is five Maxwell is eight now he was a puppy he uh well he was a few years old but still very puppyish but yeah uh the little girl is now five Maxwell is eight and they're inseparable and and um uh the little girl and her mom moved out so they don't even live with Maxwell but she but the little girl tells everyone that she has a dog and oh. she, they they celebrate his birthday everywhere. She every year she makes him birthday cards. He has a little surgery and she made him a get well card. They have tea parties. They play hide and seek. Uh and he's never far from her whenever she's around.
0: That's great. So,
1: uh, yeah, yeah. It's amazing what a well, little communication
0: you, will do. It is it is amazing. And yeah. it's also it's also amazing too that the people that they live with, um, Are not quiet enough, you know, to to hear what is actually happening. You know, what's being communicated. Um, Have you have you advised people to just sit still, you know, sitting with their pet or you know, petting them or grooming them, and just seeing if if you know images or words. Start to come to them. Like, is that part of your visit when you when you go to do an on site consult? Do you encourage people well, very, to go ahead? Yeah, I
1: very often. Yeah, I very often, uh, in, you know, explain to people the process and encourage them to to try the process. But just the presence, uh, even if they're not actively seeking uh information or conversation just the presence is so much that i i often very often uh encourage them to just be present with them uh particularly when the animals are are getting ready to pass because that uh, creates such a uh stress and and pain for the people that they uh, yeah. they're at, at odds they don't know what to do they want to do the best they can uh, and they get very anxious, and uh, over and over and over again, the animals tell me, "Just be with me. Just be with me. Be present with me. Uh, right. Don't try to fix it. I'm dying. Don't try to fix it. You know, I'm going to die. Uh, just uh, be present with me. Talk to me. Think. You know, reminisce about the times we've had over the years. You know, tell me stories about the things we did, and and uh, you know, and then. Uh, it just makes their passage so much easier.
0: So true. Beautifully said. Well, David, how can people get in touch with you?
1: Well, I have a website, and it's uh, www.talktoyouranimals, just the way it sounds. Talktoyouranimals.co, not com. Everybody, you know, thinks it's a typo, but it's not. It's www. Talk to Co. Okay, and I also can be reached by telephone at area code five one eight eight nine two nine one six one. And uh, there's an email through the website that you can contact me on. And uh, I do a lot of long distance work, like I mentioned before, so anybody can contact me from anywhere.
0: That's fantastic. And um, you and Whitley Strieber and Linda Moulton Howe and Barbara Lamb and Rebecca Hardcastle-Wright and a number of other people will be speaking at our third conference on consciousness and contact in Wasta, South Dakota, July 23rd through the 27th, um, which is going to be a very exciting weekend for everybody Wonderful, there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to reuniting with some old friends from the first conference and meeting some new friends. So. Yeah,
0: it'll be great. We're will be um, on the edge of the Badlands National Park, so the, the mm. land is so powerful, and it's, it it'll be a great group of people for four days. So I'm looking mm. forward to seeing you there.
1: You bet. I'm well, thank to you so
0: here. much. Yes,
1: of course, you Mia. <laughs> of course, yeah, um, yeah. Thanks for having me. It's great, great to be My your pleasure. first uh, show. Yeah. yeah, this
0: is the very first show, so thank you. Wonderful.
1: Good luck with all the rest of them.